uh, because we believe that the God of the universe uh, speaks to us through it. We believe that it is relevant despite it being so ancient. Uh, it's our authority as a church and the anchor of our faith. If you're one of the younger folks in the room or an older person like me who likes to draw, um, there are pads at the back. Um, Adrian looks like he's got some paper and things. Um, Twinkle, I think, is going to give them out, maybe? I don't know. Something's happening. There are pencils and paper and things on the move. So grab one of them um, that you can uh, use to kind of keep your thoughts. Pat. Oh, thanks, Chris. Oh, no worries. Uh, we will have an opportunity for questions uh, as well. So you can go to uh, Slido, uh, type in Hope City. Do we have a slide for Slido? Maybe it's, maybe it's missing from last week. But you can, you can uh, go onto the app and uh, hit respond. And uh, there's a Slido option, or it's slido.com. And I think the code is Hope City. Am I right? Yes, wonderful. Good morning. How is everyone? The fringe, huh? I feel like everybody outside the city center gets really excited about the fringe. And, and maybe we do in the middle, too. Um, no, it's, uh, the fringe is a, a wonderful, bustling time. Uh, it's a good time to kind of, you know, it reminds me of, uh, is it James who, who says, you know, that, you know, the trying your faith work is patience. Let it have its perfect work so you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I think the fringe is a wonderful time uh, for that, to try your patience. But no, I actually do love the fringe. I'm not trying to be a Grinch. Um, is that like a mixed metaphor to say the Grinch during the summer? Rules. Rules. That's where I'm going. I feel like there's... Two types of people in the world. Those who love rules. Do we have anybody in the room who love rules? Yeah. Those who aren't particularly a fan of, of rules. It's just, you guys just aren't. You just don't want to put your, your hand up. I see. I think in the end, we, we actually all love rules. I sometimes forget which stories I, I've shared in the past. Um, some of you might know, but I was a school bus driver for some years, like, Big American, 40-foot-long, uh, yellowish school bus. And uh, I was driving through a, a place in New York called Freedom, believe it or not. And they had a big sign coming in. It said, Welcome to Freedom. And underneath the sign, it said, Building Permits Required. <laughs> we all love rules when push comes to shove. I think we like rules when it stops... Silent disco walking tours happening at 1 and 2 in the morning. I'm pretty sure they're not that silent, actually. Has anybody watched a silent disco walking tour? I've been on one. I've been guilty. Uh, the Women's World Cup is going on right now. I know we might not have a lot of sports fans in here. Any, any sports fans? A few, at least. Oh, oh, more than last time I asked that question. Football. Yes, Football, although I do want to say soccer is the British's fault. The British came up with the word soccer. We just adopted it. Soccer or football would not be a very good game if there were no rules. An early follower of Jesus actually picks up on this point, and when he says in Romans 2.1, he says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another... 
you are condemned yourself. Because you who pass judgment, oh, I got a slight error again that go through. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment. I'm sorry, my, my, my electronics keep screwing up so I can't see. I have to look up here. You are condemning yourself already because you who pass judgment do the same things. So what the Apostle Paul is getting at is deep down inside, we all agree that there are rules, that we like rules, that we need rules, even if it's because of our selfish preference. Deep in our heart, we believe there is a standard of right and wrong, that rules, there are rules to life that should be followed, and, and I think that's, that's a good thing. In a weird way, even our selfishness is a sort of God-given common ground with one another, a starting point to learn how we ought to live together. We'll see this as we look at one of the most famous rules for life, what you may have heard called the golden rule. I'd like to invite Gabriella up um, to uh, read. From us, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 to 14. Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only one, sorry, and only a few find it. Thank you. Today, uh, in this text, we're going to be looking at it in two parts. Uh, we're going to be looking at verse 12, which is what we often call the golden rule. And then we're going to be looking at uh, part two, which is these, these two ways, this narrow gate and this wide thing. So Jesus presents two options, an either or, a narrow way to life or a broad way to destruction. And so we'll take each in turn. So Matthew seven twelve. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Like a good speaker, Jesus begins to conclude his teaching with a bottom line, a summary statement. Throughout his teaching, Jesus has been laying a, a blueprint for his coming kingdom. This has kind of been our theme for the whole, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, this, this text in which Jesus is standing on a mountain, uh, teaching, why we call it Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus' blueprint for his kingdom of transformed hearts. Early in his teaching, Jesus says that to enter the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. I may need some help on the slides today. My uh, tablet's not working. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have, come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And we see in verse 20. 
For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. We saw that Jesus sets up what, he, what sounds to be an impossible task to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those who study the law, those who made it their life to follow the letter of the law. He would go on to explain the heart of the law and what it requires of us. The law would say, do not murder. Jesus would say, well, it also means do not, do not hate. It's not simply about remaining faithful in our actions, but remaining faithful in thoughts and desires, to keep our word, to love our enemies, not simply our friends. And it's even to seek the good of our enemies. Oh, thank you. We'll give this one a try. Jesus is like an archaeologist. He's digging beneath the law so we can learn the spirit of the law. And the funny thing is, when we see the spirit of the law, it's not less demanding, it's more demanding. It's more demanding than the letter of the law. In what we read today, Jesus digs even deeper, distilling the entirety of the law into a simple rule. Well, at least the human-facing aspects of the law. We see that Jesus says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up, this is the summary of the law and the prophets. There's such a beautiful simplicity in that statement. Though we shouldn't confuse something being simple to understand with it being easy to accomplish. This saying in its various forms is often called the golden rule, as I mentioned. Similar things have been said uh, by others around the world. It is not new to the Jewish people either. We see the root of it much earlier in the Bible, in Leviticus 19.18. It says in the form, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the core of what Jesus is saying here. The Jewish rabbi Hillel, who was uh, challenged to summarize the whole of the law while standing on one leg, here's how he put it. He says, do not do to others what you, would, um, what you do not want them to do to you. In this negative form, which is what we see most common around the world, the command boils down to don't harm others. It's sort of a live and let live. In Jesus' summary, it goes beyond this. It is not merely passive or, or cautious. It is proactive, including doing good to others, seeking others' well-being. Doing for others what we would want them to do for us. I think a lot of people are drawn to this golden rule, whether they're religious or not. For one, it's it's simple. We tend to like things that are simple and clear. It may also feel more achievable. Simplicity feels easy. At least at first glance, there's a clear, accessible goal. I know myself pretty well. 
I, I know how I like to be treated, or at least I think I do. And so I should treat others that way as well. It's a simple, simple starting point. And perhaps the most likable bit, the starting point is me. Well, each of you as well. But, but is it so easy? I'm actually going to ask Fronik if he's with us still. Is Fronik here? Fronik, can I have you come up? Um, I'm going to do this. Uh, forgive me if the cameras don't reach me down here. I'm actually going to break the, is it the fourth wall? I'm going to see how far you can jump, okay? So let's jump. Which way do you want to jump? That way or that way? That way, okay. Here we go. Uh, do you think you could jump a foot? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Oh, we'll measure it. Here we go. Ready? Jump a foot from there. You made it two feet. Okay. Now, every time you jump a foot, I'm going to add a foot, okay? Here we go. Jump. You made it two. Okay, let's see if you can do three. Okay, let's go four. Okay. Five? Oh, oh, I, it was close, it was close. It might have been just short, but let's see if you can do seven. Yeah, 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 run, run. We'll go all the way up to seven. Oh, so close, so close. Well done, well done, Frank. Well done, well done. What in the world was that about? Well, it was fun, for one. Here's why I think this is such a wonderfully, beautifully simple starting point to teach us something. Because even if you're selfish, this rule is achievable. Because you just think, what do I selfishly want? And let me try to do that for other people as well. That's the small step. But here's what happens. When you begin to apply the golden rule, you begin to realize how much more it requires. And you know what? Before you realize it, you start to become a better person. And I don't know if, if you realize this, but typically people that are better people realize their flaws more. And they realize how much more they need to do. They see where they fail time and time again. And so a, a rule that started so simple, a small little jump of a foot, then two feet, then three feet, all of a sudden becomes far more than we are capable of doing. It exceeds our ability. So, it doesn't seem so easy in the end. So Jesus offers the golden rule, but then he offers two ways. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So if the golden rule to treat others as we want to be treated is this summary of the law, and like as we read earlier, your, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees, and we need to fulfill the golden rule 
to enter into the kingdom of God, how do we do it? If it's keeping the letter of the law, if it's even perfectly fulfilling the heart of the law, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. So I want to suggest that the golden rule is one of two things. It's a guide to those that are already on the way. It helps teach us. It helps us take steps in the right direction. But it's also a warning sign to those who are on any other way. Again, the golden rule is a guide to those who are on the way, and it's a warning sign to those who are on any other way. So in Matthew 7, 13 to 14, we see four groups of twos. We see two gates, we see two ways, we see two destinations, and we see two groups. So what does it mean to enter in the narrow gate? Well, if we've already thought about this rule and we realize the rule when, we f- when, it, when, it, when it goes to its conclusion that we are incapable of fulfilling it, where are we left? Well, an early follower of Jesus says this. Paul writes, God made him, he's speaking of Jesus, who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. What do we do when we can't achieve it? We're given grace. We're given grace so that Jesus' righteousness, the only one who could fulfill the law in its entirety, his righteousness becomes our righteousness. Can you have the golden rule without Jesus? Think about that for a second. Could you say, well, well just, just follow the golden rule, but you, you don't have to be religious whatsoever. Now, I'm not saying that you, you can't become, in, in social terms, a good person through doing that. People will like you. But what's at the core of the golden rule? What's at the core of it? To do unto others how, how you would want them to do to you. It's love. It's love. And so when you realize that God is love, God is the source of love. And God is the only one who truly, fully knows what is our good and the good of all those we love. To say, I want to follow the golden rule without God is to say, I want to love without love. There are other forms of love, but but the purest, the truest, the ultimate form of love is found in God. So in a way, when when Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, we should expect it. Because if the golden rule is love, and love is exclusive, then we should expect the way to be exclusive as well. You either enter into love, or you don't. 
enter into love. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. Though Jesus is saying the way is narrow, he's not saying the invitation is narrow. God wants all to come, all to come through the narrow way, all to come into love, as in all come into him so that they might know love and become love and love others in the fullest sense. I find something so beautiful about starting with something so simple as the golden rule. Something that even selfishness is a suitable starting point. And if you begin to walk that path and see where it leads, it leads you into love. And when you're led into love, you're led into God. In Jesus Christ, we see the fullest expression of love. God becoming man. Love becoming flesh. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's an old proverb about an elephant in which... uh, There's a number of blind men that are touching different parts of the elephant. And one says, oh, an elephant is like a a tree trunk because he's touching the leg. And another says, oh, no, 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 an elephant is like like a snake because he's touching the tail. And another says, no, 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 uh, uh, an elephant is is, is like a a thick leaf because he's touching the air. This is often used as an example to say, well, maybe there are many ways that lead to the same thing. But what we often forget in that same proverb is that there's a king telling the story who sees the whole picture, who sees the elephant. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, he's being loving. He desires all people to come to him, to experience true love, to experience true life because he knows that all other ways lead elsewhere. It leads away from life. It leads away from love. So we have two gates. We have a narrow gate. We should expect it to be narrow because both truth and love are exclusive. It's either true or it's not. It's either loving or it's not. And then we have two ways, ways that one might seem easier than the other. Now, I, I don't want to be mistaken here. Um, I don't want to say the, the Christian life is, is always hard or that the Christian life is, is always, always wonderful. They're both hard. But what Jesus is saying is that one way leads to life and the other leads to destruction. It leads away from life. These are the two destinations. One to life, one to destruction. 
And then we have two groups. We have the few and we have the many. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few find it. Does this mean that only a few will find life in the end? I think we should be careful here because this very well could be just Jesus speaking to people at his time. The people of Israel who would reject him in the coming days where most people would abandon him and only few would follow him. In the end, I don't know if it's going to be few or if it's going to be many who ultimately find life. But I think this stands as a warning that being part of the crowd is not always a good thing. Following Jesus, sometimes it's not going to be popular. Sometimes it will. It depends on your crowd. But being with the majority does not mean you're on the right path. Walking alongside Jesus does. So what does it look like to enter through the narrow gate? Um, I'm going to walk through uh, something a bit from my, my childhood um, called the Romans Road. Is anybody uh, familiar with the phrase the Romans Road? This might be a very American thing, seeing as uh, mostly Americans have raised their hands in the room. Um, uh, Romans is a, a letter that uh, Paul, an early follower of Jesus, wrote to Christians in Rome. And, and I'm just going to take some verses throughout that I think point us to what is the, the narrow gate. What does it mean to enter through the narrow gate? Romans 3.23 gives us the bad news. It says, for all have, have sinned, it's to, to miss the mark. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. This is, this is the point of even when you follow the golden rule, you realize eventually that you can't fill it, fulfill it completely. We will fail. We'll fail in the end. If perfection is the requirement, we will fail. And God is a holy God, a righteous God. So we know we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's perfect standard, a clear but impossible standard for us. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages, the payment of sin is, is death. This is the way Jesus was talking about, something that leads to destruction. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the gate. Turning our lives over to Jesus is entering through the narrow gate. Romans 8.1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the good news. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Yes, we'll fail. But his grace is enough for us. Romans 8.1, Oh, I just did the same thing again. I meant to do Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9 is whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, uh, Romans 
This is the Romans road. There's bad news. We've all fallen short of God's standard. Even with the golden rule, we fail in the end. We fail to have our righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees. This separates us from God. This separates us from, from love. But a gift is given to us. A gift is given to us through Jesus so we can have transformed hearts, so we can enter into the narrow gate, so we can enter along the narrow way that leads to life. And whoever calls, whoever asks, is given this. Whoever turns to Jesus turns to love and to life. So the golden rule, it's a guide. It's a guide for those on the way. If you've already entered through the narrow gate, if you've made that decision to to trust in Jesus, to turn your life over to him, the golden rule is still great. How do, we, how do we look inside? How do we learn to love ourselves better so we can learn to love others how they should be loved as well? But if you've never made that decision, I know there's some here that may not be religious. There might be some here who this, this message is rather uncomfortable for. Jesus wants to offer life. Jesus wants you to take that step to trust in him, to enter through the narrow way, to enter into love, into life. I'm gonna ask John to come up to sing a, an old song I, I love. Um, and uh, There's nothing fancy, nothing special you need to do. Um, you can say words in your head if you would like. You just, it's a shift of your heart towards Jesus to call upon him, to ask him for, for his forgiveness, for his life. And I think the wonderful thing is that he promises he will give it to you. Let's, uh, 